Hi, and welcome to Torah Life Skills, a project of Orpanimi. This is Saratova Best. Okay, how do I speak to a spoon? How do I speak to a spoon? What kind of, what kind of a topic is that? What does that have to do with anything? Because we are coming up to the final week of counting the Omer. We're preparing to receive the Torah. We're going from the powerful day today, which is Malchut of Yesod, which is, we can say, dignity in our in bonding, which we're going to see in a second what that is. And we're about to enter the last stretch of these really powerful days from Lagba Omer until, until the giving of the Torah, until Shavuot in which we're, we're literally leading up to having a new Torah emerge into the world and us be the ones who really bring it to the world. And that's what we've been studying the past few days in the past few podcasts. So we're going to step into this week of Malchut, leadership, etc. But here's, here's the question that we want to ask. You go up to a, a Jewish person, you ask them, so what's coming up in a week? And they say, well, you know, this deeply spiritual experience, this deeply spiritual holiday in which we will receive the, the blueprint of creation. And it will be downloaded in an infinitely higher way into us and into the world in an infinitely higher way than ever before. Plus, because of the phase we've gone through, we understand, you know, the... The pandemic, in a sense, being an excuse for um, the upgrade with, and yes, with all the pain that it brought with it and all the really horrific loss that it brought with it, and nevertheless, a massive world upgrade that came dressed in a wrapping paper of a pandemic, of a virus. So this, that means that if we are at the, towards hopefully the end of this pandemic, we've gone through the upgrade, then receiving the blueprint of creation at Shavuos is going to be in a way that no one ever did before in all of history, even not even the very first original time. Okay, so far so good. So you go up to a Jewish person and you say, well, it's about to happen, isn't it? And they say, yeah, wow, wow, it's one week. Wow, it's going to be pretty, pretty amazing. Yeah, it's going to be pretty amazing. Never before in history, right, never before in history. You getting ready? Yeah, I'm for sure getting ready. So what are you doing to get ready? So let's say people like me and a whole bunch of other, we're, we're learning Kabbalistic discourses and, you know, all kinds of deep Torah, deep Torah um, discourses on, on so that we're ready to to take in those revelations, be vessels for them. And at the same time, what else are we doing? Well, so how am I preparing? You know, I'm um, buying farmer's cheese so that I can make cheese blintzes and cheesecake. Now, uh, okay, so go up, go up to John McPherson on, in, the, you know, uh, lower Ontario, Canada, or somewhere in Manitoba, I say that because I'm Canadian, and you say, uh, so we're preparing for this really lofty spiritual experience by making cheese blintzes and cheesecake, and he will scratch his head. And he'll say, you people are seriously different than everybody else. And he'll tell me, we, in our religious observance, we don't, if we do that stuff, if we're into eating, we don't 
We're not proud of it. Remember, we're talking about malchut, pride, the yesod, in our bonding. We're not proud of it. We're just like, okay, well, you got to eat, you got to eat, you got to live, you got to sleep, you got to this, you got to have relationships, you got you got to do what you got to do, but we're not proud of it. You know, then when we want to be religious, then we keep that stuff quiet. We don't, you know, like, hey, I'm preparing for you. <laughs> And we, the Jewish people, were, we, we unabashedly, remember Malchus, you know, boldness and leadership and pride, uh, standing tall, unabashed. We say, yeah, that's how I'm preparing to receive the Torah. So we've got this weird bond, bond is Yisod, and Malchut is the, 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 the proud, the, the pride, the leadership, we've got this very unusual relationship with the physical world. We proudly prepare that way. We proudly have a deep, very passionate relationship with the physical world. And it's so intertwined. That's what the giving of the Torah is all about. Bringing heaven down to earth. Merging the spiritual and the physical. That's what it's all about. And I'll say something about that in a second, but how, what's an example? Of how do you know that Jewish people are, you know, have a different relationship, a yesod, a bond with the physical world? Well, let's picture that um, cheese blintz. You're going to eat it with, you know, you might pick it up with your fingers, but if you're Canadian, you might, like me, then you might eat it with a fork. And, you know, or you might spoon out the sour cream. So you need a fork and a spoon. So somebody, so you're sitting at the table and somebody says, um, can somebody bring me a fork? Or I might say, if I'm serving, you know, um, does anybody need an extra fork? Now, fork. Just think of the onomatopoeia of the word fork. Oh, everybody knows what a fork is, what a spoon is. Let's, let's use a spoon for dishing out the sour cream with the cheese blintzes. Spoon. Is it a very warm, yummy, cozy word? Do you feel warm and safe and just ah, warm when you think of the word spoon? I don't. Spoon is like, it's a hard word. Spoon. Anybody have a spoon? It's a cold word. It's a hard word. I don't feel any special bond with the spoon. It's a thing I need to use to eat my food because I want to eat food. And it's a cold thing. It's a utilitarian kind of thing. I might have a more expensive spoon. I might have a silver spoon. Or I might have a stainless steel spoon. Or a plastic throwaway spoon. But all in all, it's a cold spoon. That's in English. That's for people in Manitoba. Okay. So what do you call it in Yiddish if you live in Brooklyn, New York? In Yiddish, you call it alephaleh. Alephaleh. The, the L-E, the le, at the end always means it's a sign of endearment. For instance, in Yiddish, um, uh, a boy is called um, an ingle, a boy. Or a girl is called a maidel, even maidel. But in, in German, it's called medschen, I think which is a colder word. In Yiddish, it's called medel, 
which is already warmer. But we don't we don't stop at Madel. We call the girl Madele. Sweet little endearing. Oh, I love her. Madele. Ingele. Okay, so we love our sons and our daughters. It's in a warm, endearing tone. Madele. But my spoons, I love my spoons. Maybe. Well, so what do I call the spoon? A spoon? I call it, do I call it a, a, a lef, a luff? I don't call it a luff. I call it a lefale. Somebody have, they say in Yiddish, you know, anybody have a lefale? It's a very warm, endearing way of referring to a spoon. But in English, it's a spoon, cold. In Yiddish, it's a warm lefale. My sweet little yummy, ooh, you're so sweet, you're so nice, my little lefale. What is this? And everything, and, you know, somebody wants... I'd like to have a cup of tea, please. Cup tea. Excuse me, could I have a cup of? A cup of tea. Cup is cold. Tea is cold. Might be hot tea, but cup of tea. But in the in Yiddish land, nobody has a cup of tea. They have a glazolette. A sweet little delicious yummy kite little cup of tea, a glazolette. Just a cup. How did it become your best friend, this cup? But it did. Because Jewish people have a very warm relationship with the physical world. You cite the bond with the physical world. And Malchut, proudly we have, we're proud to say uh, could I have a glezolate? We're not embarrassed. It's not like, could I have a, you know, there is, I did read about a thousand years ago a novel by, I don't know, some kind of a Jewish guy. I forget his name. Um, oh boy, can't remember. But he, he talks about how um, he was a Jewish kid who grew up in the Bronx um, and he went to public school. And one day they had show and tell. And so he didn't know what to bring, so he brought a soup, a soup ladle. So that's, I don't know why, he asked his mother, what can I bring? And she said, you know, this soup spoon, so the soup ladle. So he stands up in front of the class, and Miss McPherson says, okay, uh, whatever his name was, uh, wow, I forget his name. Okay, what did you bring to show the class? And he was devastated. He didn't know what to do. He refused to talk. Why? She kept saying to him, um, maybe his name was Bernie, Bernie, what are you holding in your hand? And he wouldn't talk. And he, he just wouldn't talk. Why not? He had a soup ladle in his hand. So? So he figured that ladle was a Jewish word. And he figured that it must be called something in the real English language like soup uh, spoonery or something like that or soup uh, dispenser or something. There's got to be an English word. And when he, the L at the end, ladle, soup ladle, he figured it's got to be a Yiddish word. And there's no way he's going to incur the laughter of the whole class when he comes up saying, you know, for instance, if he brought a glass and they would say, 
oh, so what is this? And he would say, it's a glezola. And they would roll on the floor in, in laughter. So he figured this soup ladle, that's obviously the Jewish name for it. There's got to be a non-Jewish standard English name for it. So he, never, he finally sat down, and I don't remember the rest of the story. So that L-E-E-L at the end, E-L-E, glezole, ladle, all that, it's, it shows our endearing connection with the physical world. But we're not, he was embarrassed. He was humiliated out of his mind. But the rest of us who are older, well, we know that soup ladle is an English word, and now it's trendy to use Yiddish words, we proudly stand up and say, this is our connection to the physical world. What do you mean? I'm preparing cheesecake to receive the highest revelations, the blueprint of creation, the Torah, the Holy Torah. Of course I'm preparing cheesecake. Doesn't everybody prepare cheesecake? Not just because, hey, great, let's have a party. Let's have a party and and have some cheesecake when we're receiving this holy revelation. No. The reason we do it is because we're drawing the holy, lofty, Kabbalistic revelation down into the physical world through the food. It's not about celebrating with some food because we're so happy it's happening. It's happening through drawing that revelation, that mystical revelation down into the physical world through the food. And there's a whole explanation why cheese and why not meat, and that's a whole other thing. We might do it next week. We'll see. So that's our unique contribution. That's our unique approach. And really the reason we do, and the reason we do it proudly the reason we're not embarrassed, it's funny that every, every, every 45 seconds or so, I almost remember the name of the author of that book with the story with the soup ladle, and it goes out of my mind again. So I guess I'm not meant to say his name on this recording. I, just, I, I almost have it, and then I forget it again. So we're not embarrassed. We're proud. What is it that we know about the physical world that nobody else knows? No other spiritual world people know it. You know, the people sitting at the top of the mountain in the lotus position um, meditating, they're not proudly preparing cheesecake for their meditation. They might, you know, sneak a little piece of cheesecake after the meditation, but it's nobody, you know, it's, 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 it's not a comfortable experience. We're like, hey, great, guys. Let's take cheesecake into the meditation. Let's do a meditation about cheesecake. In fact, there's a mimer I heard called Lahavin Inyan Kreplach, to understand deeply Kabbalistically the deep Kabbalistic meaning of Kreplach, which are dumplings made with flour on the outside and meat on the inside. What in the world could be the Kabbalistic deep understanding of Kreplach there's infinite stuff in the understanding of them. All, all kinds of stuff. That's for a different time. So just to sum all this up, what is it that we know that makes us proud, malchut of Yisait, proud to embrace the physical world so lustily? And what it is is that within the physical world, 
that's where the very essence, the very divine essence is concealed. God hides himself the most profoundly in the physical world. In the spiritual worlds, he's there. But he's there, the parts of himself that can be revealed are there. You know, it's like the part of yourself that, you know, you're, you're, you're okay about letting the, the world know about it. But the deepest part of God that is not always ready to be revealed because we're not always ready for it, plus, plus, and the world needs to earn that kind of flow, spiritual flow, the very essence of God, he's got it in hiding for the time when we're ready and hiding because it's so precious and hiding because there needs to be a complex interplay going on to pull it out, which has everything to do with the holiday coming up, the giving of the Torah and everything that we've been studying the past few days about the deeper level of Torah, a new Torah emerging from God's very essence. So where is God's very essence concealed? In the one place that you can safely hide spiritual truth. In the physical world. Because let's face it, folks. In all the higher spiritual worlds, over there they tell the truth. You tell, you tell them secrets like, here's God and he's doing this. And they're like, I've got to tell everybody because it's a place of revelation. Those are places of spiritual revelation. The only place where there's almost zero spiritual revelation is right down here in Walmart at the checkout counter when you're buying some um, detergent for your washing machine that's on sale. There's not a whole lot of visible spiritual revelation there. So God says, great place to hide my essence. No one's ever going to think of looking there. Perfect. Great place to hide my essence. Plus a million other reasons why God decides to, to hide his essence in the, mo- in the lowest physical world. And then he says to us, hey guys, it is hidden there. Please pull it out. Do mitzvahs, learn Torah, explore the depths of wisdom, connect to me, plus, 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 many other things. And you will reveal my essence. And my greatest wish, my goal, that's been since before I created the world, is that my essence be able to be revealed very comfortably in the lowest physical world forever. That's what we're, I'm working towards. That's what I want you guys working toward. And that's called Mashiach times, Messianic times. I want my whole essence there revealed. And a big piece of the move toward that will come this Shavuos at the giving of the Torah. And so as we finish this week of Yesod, where we proudly embrace our, our embracing of the physical world because God's essence is in there, and we're moving to the hours now and we're starting the week of Malchut, 
all about that pride and all about the the coronation of divine energy. We're moving to a time, we're moving through a time, moving through space at lightning speed to the receiving of the Torah and from that to the receiving of the deepest, deepest essence level of Torah so that we find ourselves in messianic times in the third holy temple in the base of Mishlishi, which is where the essence will be fully revealed in a physical world and totally spiritual and totally godly all at the same time. So may we find ourselves there now and as we enter this week of, of Malchut, tune in please every day. Oops. Tune in please every day. We've got lots of juicy stuff to tell you. And we hope and pray to be together right away in the third base of Nabish. Now, thanks so much. <laughs>